On this episode of the Peter Panda Podcast, we get to hang out with my fellow hunting guide, Brandon Purcell. Now, you may know Brandon as Durango Boone, his Instagram handle, but to me, he's a great friend and one of the most hardworking mountain hunters alive today. Brandon is an accomplished bow hunter, an outdoor gear guru, and probably one of the funniest human beings I've ever met. Brandon's widely known for killing big bears and late season bulls, but his resume of experiences goes much further than that. Kick back with us and enjoy this great conversation with old Durango Boone. Why do they call you Durango Boone? Uh, my parents were actually, it was one of the three names they were thinking about uh, giving me before I was born. That was one of three. They said Brandon, Steve, or just full-blown mountain trapper Durango Boone. The other option was Buck Meadows. Man, you got some good prison names in line <laughs> for, sure. for yourself. Quite the pendulum swing. Yeah. Wow. Like, very normal name. Very uh, eccentric name. What about what about you? What about the Peter G. Panda thing? We don't talk about that here. Yeah, that's fully. <laughs> questions are going this way, bud. Um, So it, did you grow up and your parents called you that as like a nickname or something you resurrected later? Uh, just something I resurrected later. Yeah, sometimes you need a... Uh, you need an alias. You need a stand-in. Alter ego, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dunbar. For, for sure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I get it. <laughs> huh. Born and raised Montana. Yeah, western Montana. Lived kind of throughout the Bitterroot Valley most of my life. And if you don't know the Bitterroot, if you don't know who I'm talking to, talking to my good friend Brandon Purcell, but you probably know him through the interwebs as... Durango Boone and you really scrambled my brains with this one because when we're together you're Brandon yeah when I'm messaging you or texting you I gotta it's Durango sure which is tough because my brother Adam his IG handle is Durango Adam yeah in reference to his time spent in Colorado long and short of it is uh I have a real identity crisis every time I need to get in touch with you. I look, I like, will type in Durango into like uh, my iPhone contacts. Yeah. You're you're not in there. You're in there as your real name. Uh, I wonder if people have this problem with me. Maybe. A lot of Pete's out there. A lot of Pete's out there. Can't trust them. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, good to see you. Yeah, man. Good to have you here. Dude. I'm, I'm hosting you. It's been a great couple of days. How are we doing at hosting? How was oh, the hosting? Fantastic. Yeah? Dude. If this was a bread and b- bread. <laughs> no. <laughs> this leads to the other word I invented this fall. Yeah. I'm not talking about bread. I'm talking about bed and breakfast. Oh, yeah. But I invented a word when we were sheep hunting together this fall, which I combined the word trajectory and projectile in trajectile trajectile yeah and i didn't it miss makes, a beat it makes perfect sense though i didn't miss a beat and no. i was like and you and andrew were like what did you just say did you just have an aneurysm <laughs> and i was like no <laughs> you guys were laughing for for a long time before i caught up with the what had happened it, i mean it sums it up pretty good though i mean it really does combine the essence of both words you know i'll tell you what every time i tell this story i have to like write it out in my mind to say it right 
So I'm like, wait, so which is which? The project, okay, the projectile is the piece of metal that comes out and the trajectory is the rainbow it horizontally follows. Yeah. Why wouldn't you combine them? Why not? Yeah. It makes perfect sense. We're cheap on you. Trajectory. Know? Yeah. Pro- projectory. <laughs> projectory. See, I get Projectile. it wrong every time. We'll just make a new word up it's every tough. time, you know? So anyways, back to my bed and breakfast. Yeah. My bread and baskets. <laughs> We're doing good. Oh, very well. Yeah, we've been eating good. Eating good. Had doing some. Good. Showed you some of that chorizo last Oh, that chorizo, man. So, yeah, so good. Bum.com. We made uh, chorizo out of some antelope recently, and I was talking it up all big, hunting with Brandon yesterday. And lo and behold, we had chorizo tacos for dinner last night, and you packed some for lunch today. Oh, it's so good. Anyways, the chorizo came to life. Yeah. As it does. Oh, for sure. I mean, for sure. That's just textbook chorizo. Anyways, uh, you born and raised in western Montana. Yep. Up and down the Bitterroot Valley. Hunting your whole life? Uh, pretty much. I mean, some of my earliest memories that I can recall are like being in the back of my dad's backpack antelope hunting. Oh, wow. That's early of, on. Outside of Glasgow. Like, this was like four or five years old. I hey, was like, we don't spot burn here. Right. No matter how many decades have gone by. Sorry. Your dad is going to be pissed. <laughs> this was in the 90s. <laughs> <laughs> when there were antelope around Glasgow. Right. And there was no social media. <laughs> <laughs> now there is. We're catching up, Pops. So you remember at a very early age going to field with your dad. Yeah, wow. for sure. And, like, he was always, you know, like, more of, like, a meat hunter. Like, we're hunting to eat. Hmm. You know, like. Got a lot of respect for that. For sure. Like, we're not trophy hunting. Like, this is not, like, what I would consider what I do now. You know, it was a very different way of. It was, like, we're doing this to survive. Grocery getting. Yeah, for sure. Did you grow up in, like, a rural setting, like, on a farm or something? Uh, I mean, we were, like, nestled on the north side of the Selway Bitterroot for my whole life. Like, there's nothing south of me for 120 miles. The edge of the wilderness, and you grew up in a family that we hunt for venison to eat venison yeah. all year long. And Yeah, hunt for venison, and for most of my life, my mom kept, like, a huge garden. Like, oh, she'd cool. She kept us, like, fed for, like... You know, she'd can all our own vegetables. We'd eat fresh vegetables, like, during the, like, summer. Like, it was cool. gangster. You know? So you, like, live in a very, like, subsistence-oriented, you know, lifestyle, essentially. You don't think of Montana as big garden country, but there are some people that pull it off really well. For sure. I know some in the here in the Gallatin Valley that have absolutely hallmark, you know, world-class gardens for in a sure. short in just in a shorter season oh yeah for sure i mean it's by i can still remember just like eating like fresh veggies straight out the garden with some with some fresh meat yeah that you and your pa went out for got. sure well it's very pioneer for sure <laughs> call you pioneer boom <laughs> old trapper boom you're a trapper now i'm a tra- i guess i'm a trapper yeah. i called you yeah you are the most glory you are uh <laughs> how, what's the proper word under uh deserving <laughs> trapper <laughs> we were checking our traps yesterday <laughs> to be clear that your traps they're, they're my trap yeah we were, we were checking, checking my, the line we were yeah. checking my martin boxes yesterday yeah and i would go check them and just holler back you got to get 50 yards off of any established road so i'm hiking away from the snowmobiles just to even get eyes on these martin boxes and i would just holler back and be like 
that's it. This one's empty. Yep, another empty one. And then lo and behold, we come across one, and I and I had caught a martin, and I was pumped. Oh, it was, I was awesome. I was pumped to, to to holler back to you and be like, "We got one. Bring over." I had more more traps in the back of my sled that we could replace the frozen one with, and it was cool to get you to come over and see that. You done so much cool shit in the outdoors. It was cool to have like one thing. For sure. I was like, no. Here's another thing you can do outside, sure. Brent. <laughs> Show you up a little bit. Man, that was pretty cool, though. Yeah. You've got a bunch of bobcats already this winter? Well, I got three. Yeah. yeah. That's we're gonna, awesome. We're going to check the line together tomorrow. The Region 3 quota is about to fill, so it's all coming to an end. And we got that, that big front coming in. Yep. Calling for tons and tons of snow, and I'm calling it quits. Quits isn't the right word. I'm calling it good. Calling it a season. Calling it a season. You know. Nothing wrong with that. Not trying to. Uh, I'm not going to get greedy with it. So region three has a bobcat quota of 150 cats. I think as it stands today, it's at like 115. That can fluctuate upwards of 20 cats in For a sure. good weekend. For sure. So if you want to stay ahead of it, you got to pull your traps responsibly. And I don't want to go out when there's two feet of snow and four degree <laughs> weather outside it's as good as it gets man <laughs> yeah uh when did people probably know you for being a badass mountain elk and deer hunter uh when did you did you get into that at a young age too out in western montana yeah i mean my dad's version of elk hunting and mine is definitely different mm-hmm. you know it's like we were just out there to try to fill tags but it's like still Every time we'd kill it, he'd kill an elk. I'd kill an elk. It's like it was a it was a huge celebration. Yes. it was like it was the best day of the year. You got siblings? One sister. You got one sister. Did she hunt with you guys when you were kids? None. So it's just you and your dad. Just me and my dad. Cool. Yeah. Getting after it. Getting after. Killing it. cows. Killing whatever. Killing whatever. Filling freezers. Yep. And like when you'd get the elk, it'd be the biggest celebration because it's like you got food for the winter. Yeah. Good food. I think we call that hunting for all the right reasons. Yeah. Most of them. I love antlers. Yeah. You've grown to love them, too. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> um, so at what age could you start hunting with your dad, with you with the gun? You uh, could, you being the hunter. I think it's 12. Right away. Right away. Yeah. I think it started out killing grouse. Cool. You know, which is sweet. Like in the fall, picking them off of old logging roads? Yep, exactly. Cruising around, shooting them off, lo- like, you know, whatever. And then, like, eastern Montana, we'd go, like, antelope hunting, deer hunting, and then some, like, upland game bird out there. Annually? Annually. Just you and your dad, or did you guys have a camp of friends, or what was that? Just me and my dad, pretty much. Cool. We started out, like, we'd hunted, like, a lot. We'd hunt, like, northwest Montana, or northeast Montana, southeast Montana, south central, north central. Trying to hunt, like, a different spot every year, basically. Wow. Super cool. So he was... God, just again interested in all the right things i like seeing different i think one of the greatest things of hunting is all the different geographical places it will take you oh yeah don't get me wrong i love going to my best spot yeah you know that i know like the back of my hand but i in the bigger picture zoom out a little bit i certainly appreciate the adventurous side of hunting more than that tried and true where you get to see you get to see the world for sure. You learn the natural world. Oh yeah. Out there on your own. 
in a different light than people would ever see that. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I'm a big fan of the Super 10. For sure. Because it takes it. What it means to me, no matter how you get your Super 10, no matter how you get it, whether you paid for each hunt or whether you did each single hunt DIY or whether it took you two years or 20, there's no way to accomplish that collection uh, without hunting and traveling all of North America. For sure. Which is so cool. Super cool. Yeah, big fan of it. Yeah, because you can't not, I mean, you can't just hang out in the lower 48 and get your Super 10. No. You know, you got to go like somewhere north and get a caribou. Yeah. Or something at least. The caribou would be the, the, the zinger, wouldn't it? Yeah. You can get a sheep and a bear, mountain goat, cougar, deer, elk, pronghorn, most everything down here. A lot of people will travel for the. The muskox or the bison, right. that'll for sure. And the sheep is often something that would take somebody to Alaska. But uh, anyways, if you don't know what we're talking about, we're talking about the North American Super Ten, which is a hunting accomplishment documented by Grand Slam Club Ovis, um, GSCO. Some people might call it Fanaz, the old Fanaz, or it's old school organization that keeps uh, a lot of big game records, namely. The uh, Fanaz, which is the four sheep or the Grand Slam of sheep, and the Super Slam, which is all 29 big game animals, which is unachievable for your average adventure sportsman. But they've divided the 29 into 10 categories called the Super 10. And that's something that I set my goal on in my twenties and, and pulled off and have just grown to love that, that, uh, accomplishment and that, that certificate. And I think it just, it speaks a lot when like real blue collar people or normal people, I don't even mean blue collar. I just mean not the governor's tag type people right? to pull off a super 10. It's just a really cool collection. It tells me it's like, it's like somebody telling you that like they have a a phd or something You're like well you didn't get that for f- easy for sure you had like, to earn it you bad to earn it yeah and i'm not saying i'm a doctor i'm not <laughs> i might be <laughs> i'd be a really bad doctor but something to the likes where it's like hey you put you had to have some skin in the game and work for this and probably travel and spend your life uh experiences pursuing this one thing for sure. And you're doing that, and that's why you're here right now. You are in Belgrade, Montana. Yep. And we're hunting mountain lions together. Yeah. I love it. Love it. Year two of us trying to do this. Yep. We teamed up last winter for a couple of days. We zipped around. That was crazy. A lot of country. Yeah, why don't you tell that story? Yeah, I mean, well, the first day we went out, there was, like, fresh snow. We like cut some old tracks. Then I was. Did oh, we? I don't remember that. There were some like re- like couple day old ones. They're probably elk tracks, and I was just like, "Oh, those are old lion tracks." Yeah. <laughs> I was just trying to keep <laughs> yeah. you in the game. Like, well, bro, we got to stay in the game. We're we right on them, man. Yeah, for sure. And then we like zipped around. That was cool country too. Like I've always wanted to like hunt in that kind of stuff. You know, like you got all those hoodoos and like super cool rock formations. Yeah, we've seen that moose. 
and then we separated. Oh, that was we did. We jumped that moose in the canyon. We were right on top of its track. Yeah. I think we stopped our sleds and we were like, man, this thing's got to be right Super here. Super fresh. Yeah. It was like <laughs> right there. Yeah. That was cool. And then I went on my, the expedition on Thin Mint. That's right. Which was. Respect. Respect. Thin Mint. <laughs> that was some of the like wildest snowmobiling I think I've done on a sled of like that. That's you know? great. Yeah. It was cool. We cut that lion track the next day, which is super cool. That country is super wild. Big, big, wild country. Yeah. And we found sure. it at the end of the day, though. Yeah, and we couldn't really run it. We came back, though. We came back, ran it, and then your dog's got in a fight with something. Bigfoot. Something. We turned loose on that cat and watched my hound dogs, no joke, go... 2500 vertical feet straight up a mountain into some cliffy rocky stuff to the top to the top of it to the top uh at which point it looked like they were treed for a minute and then it looked like they were fouled up for a minute to which i was quick to interpret as like i don't know they're probably in cliffs like trying to work through some stuff and then they go up and over the mountain and it took us the whole day yeah to go around the other side of the mountain get signal on them again, find them to which they were still up high and still doing the same mucky stuff. Uh, but now I had signal on them. It was the end of the day. So I toned them off and called them off the mountain Two, three thousand vertical feet above us way, way up on this mountain. Yeah. Like not far, uh, as the crow flies, but straight up way up. Anyways, the dogs came back and two of the three were tore up. And we don't, we don't know what happened, and I won't speculate on here any more <laughs> than I, I want to. But yeah, Sphinx got into a pretty big fight that day. He came back bloody. Bloody. Yeah. Like he, his face and his legs were cut up, and like yeah. I think he had like some body scars, and like. Dude. So whether he got into a little wrestling match with the lion in the cliffs, or he roosted a denned bear, or perhaps caught a, a bigfoot. Uh, yeah. It's hard to say. Hard to say. It is hard to say. Can't speculate. Everybody came home that day. Man, I'm getting sidetracked. Uh, that was the first lion hunt we did together. Yeah. And so now you're back because we both had some free time right now. You're building a house. Yep. And I'm glad to give you – it looks like you're working away tirelessly at that house. And you get a little break. You must have made some agreement with your wife. Tried to. I was like, I really need. I can only frame so yeah, much. Exactly. You get to a point, it's like you've been working for how many days straight on the house, and it's like, I need a break. You yeah. Know? But it's like, dude, it's cool. It's like, lion hunting's different, you know? Not like anything else. Oh, it's extremely unique. Yeah. So, yeah, you're. we do a lot of hunting together through the fall between Alaska and Montana, and uh, it's the most unique thing ever. Getting up in the morning, going looking for tracks in the dark covering country coming up short most of the time and then trying to work with uh what you got but that's what we're doing right now but if we zoom out more and learn more about you durango boone uh you when did you kill your first deer your first elk you said you started hunting when you were 12 so you're meat hunting are you getting cows and does out the gate yeah i think the first year i don't think i killed an elk i killed a deer and an antelope my second year was like kind of and still to this day is one of the best years 
I've ever had. Were you 13 years old? 13 years old. I drew a moose tag. Oh, you did? Yeah. I ended up killing that year. I killed a bull moose. Second day of the season, I killed an antelope buck, a mule deer buck, and a bull elk. Whoa. 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 I mean, all of those make sense to me. The bull elk on top at the end is more impressive than the bull moose. The bull moose, you just had to draw the tag. For sure. And then anybody can go kill a, an antelope or a deer, but the fact that we got this 13-year-old kid, the hat trick, plus one. For sure. With a bull elk, that's pretty incredible. What are you going to do? You attribute that to your dad? I attribute that to good luck. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I'm not. Can't have enough of that. No. I try to be as good of a hunter as I can be most of the time. But it's 13-year-old like, you didn't know what you were doing? No way. Yeah, it's like that was pure luck, the whole thing. You know, and it's like, dude, you get this, like, in hunting, you definitely can realize that, like, you can only be good for so long. Mm-hmm. And then you got to be lucky. I like to think it's like a uh, a 90-10 thing. Like, it's 90% effort, luck. 10% luck. <laughs> yeah, some days it's <laughs> yeah. the other way. It's 90%, like, lacing up your boots. For sure. Going to where you, sure. you need to go. For sure. Getting cold, getting wet, like being in the game. 90% is on you. And then 10% like, you just need a little magic sprinkled here. God, you if you don't just get that 10%. If you don't get that, though, man, that can be a rough. Well, yeah. It's and a, we've had some of it's those. Most, it's most, it's 90 to percent of the days out there. Yeah, for sure. And uh, I can't overstate that enough. So it, it all just came together your second season. Yeah. And you just waylaid some stuff. Waylaid. Not only were you filling the freezer, you were bringing home antlers and horns. Yeah, I mean, nothing like, you know, I'm not, my moose was like, I would still consider it like a trophy, like size. Sure, yeah, it's a, nice, it's a nice Shires moose. For sure. But, like, nothing's like, you know, I'm not going to say record book, but it's still like, man, you get some, like, you know, it's like a chalice of sorts that you can hold up. You know, you're like, man, I got these all these racks to show what I did mm-hmm. all fall, mm-hmm. you know, which is super cool. As a kid, especially, like, second year going into it. Yeah, there's something, like, tangible to your physical, emotional efforts. Absolutely. Like, I tried so hard, and here's what I have to show for it. For sure. And as a kid, that was probably pretty oh, yeah. fundamental to you. Absolutely. And it's like I wasn't in, huge into sports, but it was like now I had this thing. You know, it was like, oh, I can be into hunting. Man, that was it for me, too. I was not much of an athlete ever, but I I left all high school activities as soon as I got into deer hunting. For sure. I'm like, this is it for me. And then you work at it and you work at it and all of a sudden it works. And later you can show some physical antlers to try not to justify your efforts, but to explain or, or, uh, you know, description, explain your accomplishment with something physical. I love antlers and taxidermy. For sure. I, I do not think it is a, like a big man ego thing at all. For sure. Maybe for some people it is. It's not for me. Yeah. For me, it's like, it's this story that you can see and touch and we can talk about. And I don't know. So oh, you yeah. had this whole collection at age 13. Yeah. And you had the fever. Yeah, the fever. And, I mean, most of my, like, 
that year was exceptional because it drew the moose tag. So it really drew in like a lot of focus because that's like of the big three of any of the one you're going to sweat. It's the moose tag. Yeah. Low density animal. And just, you know, few and far between. You got to get lucky. We got really lucky. Was it close to home? Yeah. Tag? Yeah. Like right by home. It was basically like other side of the highway. So you, your dad was able to take you out a lot to look for a moose. Yeah. And we looked quite a bit preseason, and then we had, I mean, we shot that ball second day of the season. Yes. Awesome. You know what's nice about that is you're not waiting for a hide to settle in. You know, a she- sure. even a mountain goat particularly, but even a bighorn later in the season is going to have a way prettier, fuller hide than way that better. September 1st or whenever it opens. Yep. For sure. Like a mountain. But that moose. You just go get that moose. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> Why? Yeah. Like, He's out there. It's a moose. It's yeah. a moose. Like I wouldn't. Yeah, the moose would be the last thing. I'd be like, oh, I need to wait for him to fur up a little yeah, bit. Yeah, exactly. Like I, yeah, yeah. So you go into age fourteen, fifteen. You're going into high school. You start hunting more and more. Yeah. Well, we were, and you know, predominantly just meat hunters. Like most of my life, you know, even up, you know, you draw the tag like that, it kind of forces your focus and then you're like i'm gonna kill a bull but most of it was just like dude even when we we're elk hunting it was like we just gotta get a cow we just gotta get some cows yeah your goals even after that successful call it trophy season at yeah. age 13 was still back to meat hunting we're just we meat hunting meat hunting i and, love it and that was like pretty much the game up until the time i was like 21 and i like i drew my sheep tag and that's exactly where I wanted to go with it. I was going to ask you how how long or where it progressed to, but you've been lucky enough to draw two of the big three in Montana, yeah. the second of which was your bighorn tag. Yeah. And so how old were you? 21. Just a boy. Just a boy. And you really grabbed uh, grabbed that one by the horns. Oh, yeah, <laughs> for sure. Like, And, you know, people say, like, oh, that hunt changed my life, but legitimately that hunt did change my that life. That was a turning point for you? Turning point. You know, a, a defining moment at the defining moment yeah. for sure because it was like you know you're on one path and then you get shown this opportunity and you're like let me like, ask you this between thir- this? between 13 and 21 had you killed any big deer or big elk that fueled fueled your westing hunter desire beyond meat hunting for your family not really so like, there you are 21 you draw a bighorn sheep tag yeah and you kind of you have a conversation with yourself that says, this I mean, is uh, something I could really invest in. For sure. Like the year before, I remember we were elk hunting in the area and it was like, dude, we were seeing all these sheep. And I oh, was like, cool. this is super cool. And like, you're getting close to rams. We've seen sheep today. Yeah. yeah. You're like getting close to rams, like in rifle season. And like, dude, this would be so cool to do with like a bow. Very cool. And I had never killed anything with a bow. So where did that thought even come from then? Just something in my mind that was just like, if you're going to like bow, if you're going to hunt sheep, you're doing it with a bow. Interesting. Which is like, I mean, you look back on it and a lot of people view like sheep hunting with a bow as like upper echelon. Yeah. Yeah. Cause the, For sure. uh, the likelihood of you being successful is so low and it's easy Way to, lower. it's easy to weigh that low success with the high price of your average sheep hunt right? to where we would look at it from the outside, looking in and be like, you bow hunting sheep. Like it's almost like thumb in your nose that like, yeah. Like, wow, you must have a, a lot of money to blow or For not sure. really care about this. For sure. Because it takes a very committed boat hunter to kill sheep. Yeah. I mean, I was in there 10 days. Okay. So 
You've never bow hunted a day in your life. Like a couple days, but never like I'd never done well. So it was just like you never killed anything. No. But you owned a compound bow. Yep. And now you got a sheep tag. Yeah. And you say, I'm gonna sheep hunt. I'm gonna bow hunt these sheep because last rifle season during elk season, I got close enough to kill to think that's doable with a bow and arrow. Yeah. Wow. For sure. That's a uh, a dangerous <laughs> game to play with yourself. So what situation did you get yourself into? Well, like, so opening day, I think it was their second day, we got pretty close to a couple rams. But just as it was, like, the two rams were walking parallel. And you so scouted these sheep? You're obviously going to the right spot. A little bit. Okay. Yeah, like, I had got some intel. I mean, generally. It's a high, high-density district. There's a lot of sheep, obviously. High-density, like, yeah, I would say so. Because it's, like, the, the sheep in this area, like, are pretty well known. Like, mm-hmm. this is where they are in the summer. This is where they're in the fall. Mm-hmm. And so it's, like, go here in the summer. And it was, like, we just went up there and figured it out. You know, it was just, like, yeah. oh, and I mean, I'll preface this by saying, like, I had n- never mountain hunted before. Like, true, I'll say a true mountain hunt. Yeah, yeah. My elk, like, we were killed in the mountains, but it wasn't like. You're not it was backpacking more, in. No, we're just, like, wandering. You know, you're just, like. You're not camping out overnight, no. spiking out. No. No. No, it's, like, but, most of our hunts have been, like, camper-based and, like, you know, chilling. <laughs> nice. Yeah, for sure. Sounds, <laughs> Look, Looking back on it. You know like, what that sounds? That sounds dry. Pretty sweet. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, but so this is, like, my first opportunity to be, like, I'm going to mountain hunt. God, this just has to be the perfect combination of, like, opportunity and tag and personal interest and just the fact that you're a 21-year-old male. For sure. That you were probably just, like, I can do, like. I can do it. I don't know if I'd have that much steam in my engine just For to, sure. like, bite off something new like that at this stage of my life. <laughs> For sure. It's like I look back, like, right now, if, if you were to be, like, hey, you got a sheep hunt opportunity, I'd be, like. Okay, cool. Let me get my rifle set. Right, of then. course. But it's like God back then. I was like so gung ho. I was like, I'm doing this with a bow. Wow. You just I'm had you just had the vigor of a young man. Yeah, for sure. That you know kind of dwindles with time. And did you hunt with your dad? Yeah, pretty much all the time. He was out there with you through your he sheep. He was hunt. there when I killed my sheep. Oh, way cool. Which is super cool. Like, so you hunt didn't last that long. You got your sheep the first week of sheep season. Uh, I think it was like ten days into it. Ten days. Ten days. And you were out there every day for 10 days? Pretty much. I think we took one break to, like, resupply at, like, day five. But it was, like... But you were posted up on a mountainside like you'd never been before. Yeah. 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 And, dude, it was sick. Like, that experience was insane. Like, there was sunrises with mountain goats up on, like, the Continental Divide up there. And, like, dude, Love them. these goats were, like, five, ten yards away. You're like, I could bow hunt these. Yeah, I'm sure. surprised you weren't like, I could addle this. But you know what? When I draw my mountain goat tag, I'm going to get an addle For sure. For sure. But yeah, you get like goats right there and you're seeing sheep, seeing elk, seeing huge mule deer. In Way cool. Areas. Super cool. You know, like talk about like something changing your life, like for real. Changed my life. Those days uh, were branded into you. For sure. Yeah. Big time. And you ended up arrowing a tremendous ram. Yeah. And uh, tell me about that. That was sick. <laughs> it was. I want a little more detail. It, it was still to this day like one of the the coolest things I've ever seen in like on the mountain. We're up there. 
I think it was like the last day my dad could be in there with me. Mm-hmm. And we were sitting on a cliff, like kind of looking at this bowl, not really seeing much. And my dad's just like, hey, I'm going to like look over here. I'm just going to look, you know, it's like I'm just going to see. Sure enough, he looks down there, big horn ram. Nice. Like 150 yards. And I was like, okay, we can try to make this happen. Like, Got to get closer. There. And, uh, it's a good ram. You see a good ram? It was decent. I mean, like, I was not a trophy judge at the time. So it was like, and still, like. Was it a any ram thing or did it have to be three quarter? Three quarter. Just like, yeah, okay, so it's legal. the way it is today. Legal. Yeah. So, like, that's legal ram. He's nice. It's a full curl, like, sweet. So we moved down. He escaped into the timber. We kind of moved down there and posted up. I think we got in there and I started, like, I saw a sheep in the timber, like, probably. I don't know, 100, 125 yards away. And I see him. So we sit down. And there's one sheep. Then there's like five sheep. Then there's like 15 sheep. Sheep rams? Rams. Rams. Because this is early. They're not. This is, this is a band of sep- rams. September 14th. Yeah, the ewes and the lambs are off somewhere else. Gone. We're at 9,000 feet. This is a boys club. Boys club. By the end of it, there's like 30 rams. Oh my god. And they're this is September fourteenth and they're like rearing up and like cracking heads like in it, it's nuts. Like we're sitting there and we're a hundred yards away from this. Whoa. And we just happened to know. I had heard about this band of rams from some guys that had scouted the area. They're like, There's this huge group, they're all running around and I was like, That's crazy. Dude. Yeah, like I bet there is whatever. Yeah, whatever. thanks guy. <laughs> yeah, for sure. It's like talk about blowing smoke, you know. <laughs> and then here we are and there here's the group. My God. And, like, you know, you're looking back on things like, I wish I was a better archer at the time. Hmm. And, like, this is – I didn't have a rangefinder. I, I didn't have a rangefinder for the first 10 years of my bow hunting career. For sure. From age 15 to 25, I probably didn't own a rangefinder. Yeah. And, I, I mean, yeah, I didn't have I a I don't range hold finder. that against you. No. But I didn't have, like, proper binoculars, really, to speak of. I didn't have, like, a spotting scope. Let's just say, if you were to do this hunt again today, it'd be the gear list would be different, and maybe your approach <laughs> to would all be, of this would be different. But maybe my approach wouldn't be that different. I yeah, think yeah. I did a lot of things right, and I think I put myself in the right position. You're like, I gotta fill that freezer. <laughs> no, I, I think that was kind of the a sheep's got like 75 pounds of meat on it. But you know, it was like, dude, I I actually in hindsight I did a lot of things right. You know, oh, yeah. Like, I covered a lot of country. I looked from a lot of vantage points. Like, I had these, like, shitty Bushnell 8 by 14 or 8 to 14 power binoculars. They had, like, a zoom lever. Sounds nice. They were sweet. Yeah. But it was like I didn't have a spotting scope, so that was the best I had. Yeah. You know, it's like you got to do what you got to do. Of and, course. And I think we had opportunities on, like, day one and two, and then we didn't have opportunities again until day 10. Was your dad a bow hunter? Not really. Your dad's alive. Is your dad a bow? I didn't mean to make it sound like he he's was. He's killed some like does and stuff with a bow. But he's... when you're all sheep hunting, he's not some. No. Father figure bow hunter. No. D- did he question your sanity? A little bit, because I think I remember before the hunt, he was, was like, he like hey, "Why are you doing that?" He's like, "Hey, I think you need to like shoot my rifle a little bit, you know, and like get ready." And I was like, "No way." Nope. Man, that's the. That is the defining line between mountain bow hunters and mountain hunters. 
for sure. Are you willing to not take a rifle? And I am not. Absolutely not. If we're going sheep hunting or go like pretty much anything and I'm legally allowed to take a rifle, get out of here. That's a tough line. Elk or that uh, I would rather bow hunt elk than for rifle sure. hunt elk. But if I was your dad, I'd be looking at you and be like, dude, what can we just like go like archery deer hunting and maybe we just go sheep hunting with a gun <laughs> for sure crazy I, I but he that, but he encouraged it yeah i think he, he really was like excited about it. he's like yeah you can do it you know like cool he gave me some encouragement i think there was still some like on his side i think he was still like well he's probably gonna shoot this with the gun mm. but we'll like we'll go up there and go bow hunting he i don't know that he really thought it was gonna like happen i didn't i didn't know i was yeah, like i'm yeah, just gonna yeah. go do this i can do this do you, you think know? you would have been how how committed were you I dropped out of college committed, you know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That's so great because you did. Yeah. You did. You bought you bought a new bow and everything. Yeah, for uh, sure. And you, you abandoned collegiate responsibilities for the sheep tag. But my question is not about <laughs> filling the sheep and getting a big sheep with a bow. Because uh, you, you're a hunting guide. You yeah. know what I'm talking about. Everyone's a bow hunter until they're not. Until rifle season opens. Until, until the – animals leaving right where were you at on that spectrum do you think if you're being honest with yourself man i don't know because like you know the ram that i that the big ram that was in the group of 30 oh you didn't kill the big one no yours is pretty big mine's decent it's not like huge it's not i don't even know if it's not boone crockett okay it's a big sheep it's a full curl ram plus it's a full curl mountain sheep like who fucking cares yeah who cares so the there was a bigger one, way bigger. Whoa! Like broomed. Like looking back on it now, it's like, God, I wish I was a better bow hunter and I could have shot seventy yards. Oh, because he was there. He was there. And like he was broadside at seventy, but I couldn't shoot seventy. If you don't have a rangefinder experience shooting seventy yards, you might as well be shooting for the parking lot at the trailhead. Right. Like for sure. Swing for the stars, buddy. Yeah, like, like you have not, no idea. Not ethical. No. No. You know, it's like, dude, the sheep that I s- killed was the sheep that I saw, and I was like, I would be 100% happy to kill that ram. That's like, a great uh, identifier to the animal you should kill. For sure. When you look at it and you're, like, personally happy. For sure. In a trophy hunting situation, you know? For sure. And you let her rip. Yeah. What kind of bow were you shooting? It was a PSE beast. Yes. It was like a mid-level. Do you remember anything about your arrow or broadhead? No, there were like some. Yeah. Some OG carbon. Yeah, carbon express or carbon something like so that. Maybe put a rage in the cage down there. I never was a rage guy. Oh yeah. But I think it was like a triple blade fixed broadhead. Hmm. It was a perfect heart shot. It was. Yeah, it was. Cr- you pinwheeled him. Kind of. What the? You either okay. hard shot it or not. I did, but he didn't die right away. So well, he, then you didn't hard shoot it. Well, he wandered like so. They're right on the edge of this like. I don't want. I hesitate to call it a cliff face. It was like a knuckle, and the knuckle gave way to like eleven hundred, twelve hundred feet of like cliffy, really, really steep. The knuckle was like the introduction. Yes, yeah, so we were zone. on like a bench, and yeah, the yeah, knuckle yeah. came off, and then it's eleven, twelve hundred feet yeah. of just like steep, gnarly, right on the edge of it. So we shoot it, and that ram, like, walks, like, 
12 yards. Did you stick – did it, the arrow pass through or what? No, it's just sticking like – I mean – Right behind the shoulder. I think it hit – yeah, went behind the shoulder and was sticking into the opposite shoulder. But like low cavity – Deadly. You are dead. Dead. Arrow hit. Yeah, for sure. And he wanders out to the edge there and he like turns – and it's crazy, like, all the other Rams surrounded him. And were, like, sitting there, like, pawing at the Shot ground. Shot the herd cow. Yeah, like, pawing at the ground. They're snorting, like, looking around for danger. And I'm just sitting here thinking, like, I'm going to get trampled by bighorns. <laughs> you know, like, 30 of them are sitting there, like, pit, they're pissed. They were, like, you could tell their energy. They were, like, not happy about this it. This is not a uh, common no. bighorn sheep hunting situation. No. And then, like... As they're sitting there, and this, you know, in in your memory, this is like minutes. And it probably happened in like 25 seconds. Mm -hmm. He walks out there. They surround him, snort and moan, snort and moan, and then he tumbles. Were they being aggressive with him? Yeah, they're trying to keep him up. Were they trying to keep him up or were they trying to keep him down? Because, like, when a turkey's wounded or a turkey's dead, all the jakes go attack it. For sure. If I discipline a hound... And other hounds are around. They try to get in on the discipline. It's like this weird aggression in all of us. Yeah. So I don't think they were trying to keep him up. It could have been that. but I bet they were trying to ninja kick him down. Well, yeah, he sat there for like a few seconds. And then I just see him step out of frame. And then I just hear. Oh, no. And he rolled. We didn't find him that night because I shot him like at dusk. Did you walk to the edge of the cliff? Oh, yeah. And we looked down there and you can just see like, you know, after you roll a rock or something, you see like of the, the dirt trail. The fresh, the fresh kick. Yeah. And it's all like, you know, there's smoke in the air, if you will. And it was just like, I can't see. It was, it was just dark enough where we couldn't see the bottom. And I was like, he's got to be down there. Well, of course, yeah. And we came back the next day. And, like, ended up, you could see him, but he was all the way down at the bottom. All the way. And could you make a different approach? Kind of. We just kind of weaseled down there. You like, did. Like I said, it was, like, it was cliffs and, like, bear grass, mm. but very steep. Do you wish you had gone down that night? No. No. No way. So it was the right move. Yeah, so right before we killed that sheep, like probably 30 minutes before, we saw a one of still like the biggest black bears I've ever seen just down the ridge from us. That's uh, saying a lot coming from a guy like you. Yeah, and inevitably he was like very close to where the sheep ended up like coming to rest. What, you were just going to give up your sheep to this bear? Well, we were like, dude, it was dark. You know, we we're like, God, we need to go You're down like, there. Dad, I like, only have bow and arrow. <laughs> Well, we went in there the next day, and when we got to the sheep, you could hear the bear in the woods, like, snapping its jaws. Had it fed on it? No. It had not? Had not. That's interesting. I think it was probably coming into it around the same time we were, Mm -hmm. because it's like, it knew we were there, because it was, like, straight up, like, I've heard bears chomping their jaws. Sure, I have too, yeah. And it's like, dude, he was straight up sitting in there, like, (laughs) yeah. Yeah, and sometimes they'll often huff. Yeah. In between the jaws. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And try to try to flex on you a little bit. For sure. So you found your sheep. Was he all banged up? Uh, he broke one of his lamb tips off. He he was like full curled just a little bit more. 
and then he had still had his lamb tips, you know. Wow. But he broke one of them off in the fall. We could never find it. But <sighs> it's like, what are you supposed to do? When my brother killed that sheep in Colorado a couple years ago, yeah, the other tag holder had killed a bigger. He killed a 190 class ram uh, a couple days before Adam in the same general area, and they were in communication. Yeah, his sheep fell, broke, and lost a lamb tip, and that dude went back and found it. Whoa! Packed his sheep out, went home. I think came back like a week later and like gritted out the avalanche chute. I don't know who this guy is, but Whoa. I believe the story to be true because it was come that intel was coming straight from him to my brother that yeah. we were sheep hunting. Um, and he found it. That's incredible. I know. What are the odds? Dude, that's some dedication. I found uh, the tip of what I think is a uh, a brow tine of an elk this year. Oh, really? Yeah. Just like the yeah. two the two inch tip. It looks like a giant bear tooth or something. For sure. But it's the tip of an elk antler. And, uh, yeah, it makes you wonder. Like stuck in another bull or something, broke <laughs> off, and then just, like, fell you out You can hypothesize in so many different ways about those kind of things. Yeah, that's pretty wild, though. But you found your sheep. Yeah. And you made a good shot on him, and he ran off a cliff and died. Extra, extra died. Yeah. Yeah. And after that, that fueled your fire for mountain hunting, obviously. For sure. It just kind of, like, opened up a door that I'd never seen, you know? You were like, this is my backyard. Yeah. I can hunt this differently than my dad does. For sure. And find some some different opportunities and some different animals than I've been finding. For sure. Because, like, I feel like you get to a certain point in hunting, and even if you are a meat hunter, there's that is the most honorable thing you can be. But it's like there get, does get to a point where I feel like you do, like, the horns on the wall last a lot longer than the meat in the freezer. Well, that's a good line. You know? Yeah. I mean, it's like... Yeah, it's a little, I love both of them. It's a little morose. I love both of them, but in yeah. 10 years, you're still which one are we going to have? Yeah. You're still going to have the horns on the wall. Yeah. You know? And it's like, God, and I love eating elk meat, and I love eating any game meat, but it's like... That does not. Uh, chorizo. Chorizo is pretty yeah, good, man. Chorizo pretty good. <laughs> pretty good, man. Very proud of my chorizo. That's, man, hard to beat. Yeah. We're going to have some elk for dinner after this. Love it. Uh, I agree with you. So that that was like maybe the the birth of your you as a mountain hunter. For sure. Which is so reverse. For Most sure. people become a mountain hunter and then a sheep hunter. Yeah. <laughs> you went the opposite way for sure i just i always look at it as i started at the top mm. and now i'm just kind of working my way through the rest of it yeah you know? god i feel i feel <laughs> that way about different avenues in my life <laughs> like well i tried to top it <laughs> tried you know like what are you gonna do throw a football over those mountains <laughs> <laughs> uncle rico <laughs> uh a lot of people know you for being a badass bear hunter were you hunting bears as a kid or did that come later we hunted them a little bit but it was very like nonchalant like we just kind of cruise around like opportunistic stuff yeah, yeah like just road hunting and i still like but like in like in may like yeah. were you going out yep. in the spring and looking for bears yep you were for sure but it was just like you know you're road hunting like kind of looking in old units walking down roads 
Sounds yep. effective. Which is incredibly effective. Growing up, it was your dad killing bears? A few. He was? Yeah. So you were around him? Yeah, for sure. Not a lot, but it was just kind of always something that I wanted to do. And then as I got older, I started, like, getting into it and trying to figure it out. I never had really anybody showing me, like, my dad had killed somebody. They were all opportunistic. Well, I think that speaks to all the different uh, hunting you do, whether it be your elk elk hunting and figuring out late season areas and going and just cutting your teeth out there in the shit that people don't want to do. For sure. Or going into an archery bighorn hunt blind, never having bow hunted before. Uh, Or these spring bears where you just road hunted them before, but now you're like, wait a minute, I I think we could be more refined or more focused doing it this way. Doing it better. Doing it better. We lived in like, I mean, back in the day, I think there was probably a lot of bears right where we lived. Hmm. Like since the fires we've had, I don't think there's quite as many. But it's like, I just wanted to figure out, I was like, another bear here that we're not seeing. Because we'd see like a couple bears a year. Like a couple. Like if we saw like four or five, like that was fucking great. Just by chance. They run in front of the truck. Or you see them like in a, across a logging unit. You know, like, or you see them down the closed road or. There's one. Right. Random. Random. And then it's like you get into it and you're like, I think there's more bears out there. There's got to be a little bit more rhyme and reason to this. And then once you kind of start dialing it in and you, like, get to the point where you're like, if I'm not seeing X amount of bears per day, I'm not in the right spot. That's right. You know? And I think that's, like, that's a tough learning curve. Yeah, just uh, refining your search area. For sure. Because, like, deer and elk, there's a lot of them. That's right. A lot. It's like, I don't care. Way lower density animal. For sure. And it's like, it's... Different strategies are going to need to be implemented. For sure. And when you're even when you're glassing them from long distance, you know, you're like, dude, an elk is way easier to spot at 1,000 to 2,000 yards than a bear. You think so? Dude, a bear is tiny. Yeah, they yeah, are. They're, they're a lot smaller than we all think they are. I mean, you get I don't, even if we can kill the giants, you still get up to the bears, and you're like, that's not as big as I thought it was. Yeah, we've killed bears together in Alaska. Arguably the biggest bears I'll ever hunt in my life. Biggest sure. black bears I'll ever hunt in my life. For sure. And they're big and impressive, but they're always, always 10%, if not 50% smaller than For sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, and that, that's kind of like a hard thing to like reconcile, you know? And you get up to them and you're like, oh. And you're like, okay, elk elk graze out in the open. Elk are easier to find. These bears are kind of slippery. They might just pop out into an opening for a minute. So they're more elusive and more inter- of interest to you. For sure. Well, and it's like a, it's a mountain species. Here. At least, at least locally, we're like where I hunt. They reside in like the same places like the goat and the sheep hunt. Yeah. Or the sheep are. So it's like you can go on that hunt every year. Yes. That is just, cool. You're hunting a bear and you're not hunting a sheep or a goat, but it's like I've literally seen bears. The adventures are pretty parallel. Yeah, dude, I've seen bears in the spring in way gnarlier countries than the goats are hanging out. Well, at. or the exact same. I mean, I've, oh yeah, like many of us have seen mountain side. goats and black bears in the same avalanche country. Oh yeah, a lot of times you see that. a goat and you're like, "That's where the bears are going to be." God, what a crazy way to think about it. You know, 
So it was an it was an adventurous opportunity for you. For sure. You were like bear hunting is pretty dope. It can take me to some cool places at some cool times. For sure. I don't get a sheep tag every year, but I can still go mob these mountains and hunt like a sheep hunter and every do year. these different things. And I think you've turned that into a lot of your mule deer hunting and elk hunting. For sure. And uh, these bears as well. Tell me about some of the elk you've killed. Because you have some tremendous elk. You For have sure. You've killed several nice elk. For sure. When did you get your first uh, trophy? We'll call it a trophy elk. You know, not the the meat cow. Right. And uh, you know, I know you. I, I know you well. But if anybody is going to suffer a late season, late November, high country migratory elk hunt in frostbite conditions at ten thousand feet and just live on a prayer it's it's a lot like lion hunting for sure i'm i'm all in i'm gonna do all this crazy shit and suffer through all this stuff and odds are i'm not gonna find one today big time but when you do it's great and it's the reward is is so much more than any of the suffering could ever accumulate to but I, i that's what i know you for a lot of people can go out and kill elk i respect you for lacing your boots up finding late season bulls killing big respectable bulls and building a nice fire yeah yeah you taught me all about the fire for sure that's pretty clutch yeah Especially those late season hunts man if you don't have a fire you're just gonna like wither away yeah it's just not possible <laughs> it's not I love it. We were hunting last winter. We were watching those dogs go 1,000, 2,000, <laughs> 3,000 like, feet. Cold. I was like, I'm kind of cold too. I turn around. Brandon has a bonfire going. I'm like, that's pretty impressive. <laughs> For sure. Dude, I got this little, uh, I got a, I got a little saw I'm going to give you. Oh, nice. Cause I know you always have a saw at yeah. least late season. Yeah. Uh, to clear a trail or yeah. to build a fire. Oh, sweet. We've both carried different cheap ones in Alaska together, I know. Yeah. I just got this new little, like, four or five-inch aluminum saw from Outdoor Edge. Oh, sweet. It's nuts. The rip? I haven't used it yet, but it's, like, scary, light, and sharp. Nice. I picked it up, and I was like, Brandon Purcell should probably own this one. <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So, did you start bow hunting elk, or were you always a late-season rifleman? I started out, you know, after the after I killed my bighorn of the bow, I was really gung ho on archery hunting. Oh, I bet you were big time. For like <laughs> big bow guy, big bow guy, no. <laughs> big bow guy. For like probably six years, I was like really into bow hunting. Oh, really? You like know, exclusively, like, almost. Yeah, I didn't even rifle hunt. Really? Yeah, I you're one of those dudes. I was just like, I'm fucking bow hunting. It's a rare breed. If I'm not, well, I I would still deer hunt, I guess, an antelope hunt with my rifle just because you gotta you do gotta put some meat in the freezer (laughs) (laughs) look i got a family you know i'm not there are some very effective bow hunters out there and i have an outstanding appreciation for those dudes i got a lot of respect for them but there's a lot of skinny bow hunters out there (laughs) apparently you got a costco membership (laughs) too because (laughs) you are not worried about going hungry for sure but when you are in a position where like you do need to feed yourself it's like you you kind of got to pick up the rifle a little bit. 
But yeah, for sure, for like elk, dude, I was like, it's easier to find elk in archery season. A hundred and fifty thousand percent. You know, and it's like, and it's cool. Like, in most ways, in in most reasons, archery elk hunting is way better than rifle elk hunting. I would say I'll go a step further and say it's easier. Unless okay, you can hunt that. an elk in the rut with a rifle. Which no one gets. That's a very rare. That's a very small sure. percentage of North American hunters every fall. For sure. Get to do that. So don't even take that in consideration. I say there's two different elk. There's a. There's oh yeah. A, you can bow hunt elk when they're rutting, or, or you can, can rifle hunt elk when they're post rut, moving to winter range, or trying to hide. Yep. From you beyond the winter For range. For sure. <laughs> they're trying not to die. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um. I am. I told you today. I've got. I've only killed one bull with a rifle. Yeah. All my other bulls are with a bow. Sure. And I am quick to say. I I took the easy route. Yeah. Like I killed killing elk with a bow. In September, I believe in general districts, is easier for your average guy. Yes. Than. A rifle elk hunt. Rifle. Bull elk hunt. Rifle bull elk hunt. Okay. Rifle, rifle cow elk hunt. <laughs> yeah, off the pivot. Right. That's not what we're talking about. Yeah, but a rifle, a bull elk hunt is way easier with a bow. Yeah, and that's a it's a oxymoron. That's hard. That's hard to believe. For sure. Like you would think the opposite. Yeah. And it's very true. Like if you can learn to shoot a bow twenty five yards. Yeah. And you live within that parameter i encourage you to go bow hunting i think you have a higher chance of getting a bull than you do trying to grind it out trying to grind it out rifle hunting yep for so many reasons though so why does that suffer fest appeal to you why do you like that shit i don't really know like to to give an exact answer because like you think about it like especially after the fact and it's like this last season was sucked i mean like the weather was terrible like and it, it, that's great for I have I have s- some thoughts about your last season yeah, that I'd like to express and, here and in a minute. It, it was great, you know, like Yeah, it was great. But you got to like God, you're dealing with I had one hunter, my last hunter that I had booked. Oh, gu- guiding elk hunters, yeah. Guiding, he made it not even a day. That's rough. And just decided that that was not for him. He was an archery hunt, elk hunting guy. He just wanted to try out the late season thing that thought it looked cool. And he made it one, like less than one day. And he was like, this is not for me. What'd you do to this guy? Dude, we were just post holing up like a ridge, <laughs> you know, some, like it was two miles, 600 feet total. Doable. Doable. Easily doable. But when you're not used to like dealing with the biting cold wind and like hiking through knee-deep snow that you're posting like this guy's like the sunburn i got in september was a lot more bearable brand exactly (laughs) (laughs) for sure so it's like you know sometimes you got to take a step back and be like that's what most normal people think and i just just being from out being out there so much it's like the elements start to matter less and it's just more about being out there and Mm -hmm. like because man half the thing is like when you see a big bull that you want to go after like that's a hell of a feeling that moment right there. Yeah. I, I, I will not apologize for this, but everything just correlates back to lion hunting to me. Finding the track. <laughs> for sure. The Like, we 
spend a lot of hours snowmobiling and hiking in the dark and in the cold and have nothing to show for it. Yeah. When you find that beautiful, fresh track, that moment, like that's pretty sweet. Pretty sweet. Like that's the hunt. That's a big part of the hunt for, for me sure. as for the sure. human being. And then I get to bring canines into the equation and it goes from there. But personally, like that's the culmination of the hunt. Whereas maybe finding that bull for you for sure is real similar. I mean, like the kill is pretty anticlimactic. I think anybody can like kind of lions. I know well, anything, even <laughs> <laughs> you're yeah. talking elk. Yeah. But it's like anything. And I think most people can relate to that because it's like, unless you just don't care. And that is what it is. But it's like, man, when you actually finally, especially like, and it's, I'm not going to say it's easy to kill just a bull, but if you're just out there to whack a bull, something with antlers, it's definitely easier than trying to like find a bigger bull. Sure. That's like had some years on him, is a little bit more mature. It's just something like worthy of your effort. Yeah. You have, you have different interests than the average hunter. For sure. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, that there's so many parallels to, to all the hunting we do, you know? It's easy to go shoot a four-point mule deer. Right. It ain't easy to go find a six-year-old. For sure. Pretty hard. And some of that, too, it's like maybe I just enjoy the hunt too much of just, like, being out there and, like, actually, like, suffering through, like, all the bullshit that, you know, like. That's the whole, like, uh, like how, how could you do that? And it's like, how could I not? How could you not? How could you not? Right. Yeah, man, I get it. Um, well, that's your – you're an accomplished Western hunter. That's no surprise. But we've spent recent years together uh, in Alaska working together, guiding and uh, doing a lot of cool different things in Alaska. For sure. When was the first time you went to Alaska? I went to Alaska when I was, like, 23 i think that was <laughs> you showed up with your bow you're like y'all got big horns <laughs> <laughs> no, i actually showed up uh i was building uh fishing cabins at a fishing lodge in southeast southeast alaska where'd you where'd you, where'd you find the job my buddy worked up there and actually a lot of people like I used to work at a ski resort and a lot of people from that ski resort end up working up there at the fishing lodge in the summer it was like a cultural migration. For sure, yeah. You're like working lifties. Yeah, well, not all li- lifties are you know different breed, but those are the kids that smoke the dope. Those are the kids that smoke the rock. Oh, <laughs> yikes! Yikes! You yeah. painted the picture really clearly. For sure. Anyway, <laughs> you made your way to Alaska with the ski resort crowd. Yep, and kind of worked up there. I built built for like a couple months up there the first year took me a while to go back you framing cabin what are you doing yeah just yeah. like building a couple i built two cabins while i was up there at a fishing lodge on an island on an island in the middle of southeast alaska only accessible by boat or float plane were there bears i didn't see any but there was bears there salmon fishing salmon fishing tremendous rock. halibut fish oh halibut okay. rock fish yeah like super good came up with, came up with a lot of meat did you get to go fishing? Yeah. You did? Oh, yeah. It was super cool. Yeah, we did halibut, did a little bit of salmon. It was a little early for some of the salmon runs, and I think that year the salmon run was kind of, like, minimal. 
but like the halibut and the rock fishing was like outstanding. So you had a short little like construction stint at 23 up there yep. into Southeast, which isn't even it's Alaska its proper. It's its own. I know. And I, yeah. I, re- I regret <laughs> saying what I just said because it is for I've, sure. I've spent time in Southeast and it is incredible, but it's like a sliver. It's different. Yeah. It's not, it's not doll sheep country. Right. Yeah. It's not moose country. No, some of it has few moose, but what do they introduce some? Don't well, I don't know if you'd have to introduce them. They're kind of all around. Well, like some of those islands, like by Ketchikan, have moose on them. Really? But then some don't. You know what I think is interesting about the islands, the southeast, and islands across Alaska is like this one has black bears, this one has grizzly or brown bears. Right. And there's no, no crossover. No. Not that I know of. No. Because, like, Kodiak, there's no black bears. I think, like, Prince of Wales has a ton of black bears. Kuyu has brown bears. Maybe I'm misspeaking here. But, yeah, like, it's crazy. Something to the likes. It's crazy that Prince of Wales has no brown bears. Nope. None. But an island 10 miles away has only brown bears. Right. Or where we're being very vague here, but to the point that that's mind-blowing to me. They don't get along here in Montana too well either. Right. Yeah. So you went to Alaska. You built some cabins, did some fishing. When did you get back? I think like four years later, I drew a caribou tag. This is the caribou trip. Yeah. Which this is such a great story. Sweet. So I like, first time, I was like, I got to do this. This is a bucket list hunt. Was it your first time applying for Alaska tags? First time applying in another state. Oh, wow. Period. You'd never even put in for like an Idaho draw tag no. or something. No. Because I, I was like guiding and stuff and like I never really felt like I had time to like do anything else. Okay, so tell me about that. You weren't guiding at 21. No, I started guiding like the- When you did that archery sheep hunt. I was guiding, yeah, I started guiding when I was 24. Okay. 23 or 24. It was right around the time of that Alaska trip. On the heels of that, yep. started professionally guiding. Yep, some elk hunts in, like, Colorado and stuff. And so it was like, you know, I didn't have a lot of time, but then, like, one year I just was like, I'm going to apply in Alaska for a caribou hunt because I want to go. Hmm. You know, and it's August, so it's outside of your guide season. Yeah, yeah. You know, and you're like, I can do this, you know, like, it's outside of my season. I can take time off. I can do it. And just had the feeling when I submitted the app that I was going to draw it. Yeah, we all do, I just I was buddy. like, I'm going to draw it, dude. I'm going to draw it. Okay. And then sure enough, you know, a couple months later, they're like, you drew this caribou tag. You think you know? at the time it was like a 10% draw? I, I think, think so. it may be a, maybe a – I think that's what it is today. Well, and they used to offer more tags. So I'm going to say that it was higher than that. You probably had like – It was 15%, 10 to 15% okay. odds. So still not, you know, pretty good. Very first time I applied for a Chugat sheep tag, I drew it. That's pretty sweet. Yeah. I've applied Co- matters to matters to the <laughs> ask, but I <laughs> think it's sure, pretty sweet. For sure. So you drew this caribou permit. Yep. And you were married at the time. You got married young. Yeah, like married the year before. Okay. Yeah. And so you got this new bride, and you're really into mountain hunting. You're guiding professionally now. You have this Alaska limited entry caribou tag and you talk your wife into a road trip 
Yeah, we were kind of like maybe you didn't have to talk her into it. I don't. I, I don't want to speak it, on it her. It really bad. didn't take much, but it was you know more like we didn't really take. We took like kind of a honeymoon, but not really hunting moon. Kind of, but like our hunt, like we decided to That's wait what a year. Jordan, Bud, and Giannis say on their podcast. Oh, nice. Yeah, Jordan got married. She had she had a hunting moon. Oh yeah, they hunted sure. deer in like four states. That's pretty sweet. Across like twenty five days or something. That's pretty sweet. Way sweet. That's super cool. But we like just decided I drew this tag and we're like, well, we didn't get a proper honeymoon. So like, let's incorporate this tag with an Alaska trip. And we ended up spending like a week in Washington in some of the uh, parks in Washington. I think we did North Cascades, Olympic. You go out to Olympic. Yeah. And then we did Rainier. See some mountain goats. Yeah. Rest in peace. They crushed him. Yeah. Anyways. But then we headed north to Alaska. We took like three or four days going through Canada. Spent like 10 days in Alaska. We did like some, we went to Kenai Fjord. Before your hunt. Before my hunt. So we were like up there. We went to Wrangell, San Elias. Where do you enter? When you drive up from the States, you kind of skirt through British Columbia and then. And then cross over through the bottom part of the Yukon. The Yukon territories. And then you pop out by Toke. Which I think of. Toke's like what east of Fairbanks out there? South and east. Yeah. Yeah. And you like pop out kind of by there. It's I mean it's a that is if you do one road trip in the in the continental North America, that's it. Washington to Alaska? Yeah, we went we did the Cassiar on the way up there and we did the Alcan on the way back and both were like I have no idea what you're talking about. Well there's like two highways basically that go up. Okay. They meet Somewhere in northern British Columbia. I've been to Alaska a couple times. Never driven. It's a long way. It's like four days. Solid driving. So what are the two routes? The Cassiar is like goes through in interior British Columbia. And then the Alcan goes through like Alberta and then catches up. In like, further east. Yeah, further east and then hits British Columbia eventually. Yeah. And then they both kind of converge right south of the Yukon. And then and spit you out to Toke. Yep. But those stretches between northern British Columbia and Alaska, it's insane. Yeah, I've heard of just, like, links walking down the road. We saw one. When you we, did? Yeah, when we were driving on the highway. We were on the – we were just before we I, – I, This is no bull – I did not know this part of your story. I have literally heard that before from other people. They're like, yeah, there were just links walking down the road. I'm like, yeah, I bet there were, buddy. No, we were we were somewhere just before the Alcan on the Cassiar, in like a super remote stretch of the road. I remember we were just driving, and all of a sudden, like we were like, "What is that?" And there's like a lynx just standing in the middle of the highway. Wow! Like, dude, and it's pretty unmistakable. It's a lynx. That's right. You know, it's a big cat. Yeah, there's a lot of things in nature. Like when you see it, you know. You know. Like a lion track. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. For sure. So you made your way into Alaska, you have your bride with you, and you spent a week plus touring around? I think it was like 10 days. And where'd you go? Uh, Wrangell, St. Elias, Kenai Fjords. Yeah. Those are far apart. Super far apart. And we went up by Fairbanks. We did Denali. Those are close together. Yeah, but it was like a big, it was a big trip before we even went on the caribou hunt. To fly out on the caribou hunt. And did you fall in love with Alaska in those 10 days? Are you already in love with it? Oh, for sure. 
yeah. mean, there's still like I, I mean, because you had been to Southeast, but that was your first dig up way up north. Yep, for sure. First time to like Anchorage or yeah, yeah. any of that, you know. And it's like that was probably know, the least remo- remarkable part of your for trip, sure, for <laughs> sure. But I feel like when Alaska kind of gets its claws in you, it's like pretty hard to pull those out. And you think that was the trip, though? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I've been southeast didn't grab me like that. It grabbed me in different ways. For sure. And I want to go back and build a cabin there. But proper Alaska, the Northland. There's nothing like that. Nothing like it. No. And so take your wife hunting with you? Yeah. Tell me about the hunt. It lasted about 45 minutes. Okay, tell me the the <laughs> days leading up to it. Well, like, yeah, it was crazy. Like, I had contacted a bush pilot up there, and this is, like, me being completely green to Alaska. And I was just like, oh, well, I drew this tag. I'm going to call around and see who's 1-800-BUSH-PILOTS. Yeah, pretty much. You know, like, called, God, where did I, that take I think me? I called the state of Alaska, and they were like, oh, this is a list of who, who can That's op- nice. operate there. That makes sense. Which is sweet. And then I think I called, like, three or four – got a couple like no callbacks transporters transporters you are looking for someone to fly you into your unit yeah this is all new to you as well completely yeah and i was just like i gotta figure this out because i can't hike in there it right. was like far you know it's like you're not like no the proper way to to, yeah. to hunt this tag is to, to fly to charter a, a bush plant which we do all the time and 90 percent of our, our sure. of our alaskan hunts and, yeah, I just figured out, found a guy I felt like was like, man, this guy sounds legit, you know, and, like, you kind of vibe with people. I like your voice. Right. Exactly. Like, yeah, hey, you sound like a good guy. Hmm. You know, I'll trust my life with you. And, That's and, a good price. And my wife. <laughs> yeah. And he yeah. actually was a pretty good price. <laughs> I think he's, like, way higher now. But uh, Oh, I'm sure. Oh, wait. I think he's, like, double what I paid. What year was this? 2017. 17. I went to Alaska for the first time in 2014. Yeah. Jeremy invited me to Kodiak. Oh, nice. Yeah, I showed up. Uh, I was like a mail-order bride. I showed up to the Kodiak. <laughs> Air- I'd never met Jeremy. Oh, wow. Yeah. Or or Mike Monin, but I knew both of them through different reasons. And, uh, yeah, I showed up to the Kodiak airport, sight unseen, and went on a Kodiak mountain goat hunt with him. That was my first trip. That's awesome. So you like you find a pilot, you like this pilot, he says he's gonna put you on some caribou. Or just he was kinda more or less like where do you want to go? And I'd kind of read and kinda gotten some advice on like a certain area. And I was like, Well, I'd like to go in here. And he was like, Yeah, it's pretty good. Like I had some hunters like do well in there last year, blah blah blah. My experience is whether you're asking for someone to fly you into a spot or if you're just asking a more experienced hunter to weigh in on your hunting plan. Yeah. If you come to the table with a sliver of intel or like personal research, yeah, it'll get you a mile of data. Way further. Way further. Rather than being like, I don't know what I'm doing. Hey, Where do you think I can go? Yeah, I feel like a lot of people want to go moose hunt in Alaska. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, you just hire a pilot, ask him to put you on moose. Same with caribou. I mean, that's a fucking tall order. <sighs> Anyways, you didn't go the douchebag route. You showed up, you called this guy, and you're like, I think I know I want to go hunting here. I have the tag. I'd like to go to this specific area. Yeah. Intimacy in favor? Yeah. He flew us right where we wanted to go. 
Uh, it's like not like a super long flight, but like long enough. Super Cub. Super Cub. First time ever being in a Cub. First time in a Cub. Ever. What did you think of that little aircraft? Wild. I mean, we were like tiny. Seeing, yeah, seeing doll sheep and stuff on the flight in. You did. Yeah, we saw like seven or eight rams, like probably like a mile and a half from where we were camped. Were, were those the first doll sheep you'd ever seen? No, we saw some in Denali. Like in the park. Before. Yeah, yeah. You know, from like off the road. Yeah. Which is cool, but. They're cooler out of an airplane. Yeah, dude, especially when you're like, like flying up a canyon, you know, and like. So you see some doll sheep flying into your camp. It's not too long of a flight. Was it good weather with good clean flying? Yeah, clean flying, clean air. You were not scared. No. And dude, I remember. Cub flights get scary. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I just remember the feeling, and I still get this. I got it this year, like, on our hunt with Andrew. It was like, dude, I was the first one in there, and you get dropped off. Uh-huh. That's a pure, pure And there's feeling. no fucking sound. Yeah. Like, and there's nothing. Yeah. That is a very, that is an, like, that is a moment that few people outside of, like, guides in Alaska and, like, some DIY guys up there that'll ever experience. Very, very few. I mean, like a fraction of a fraction of a percent of human beings will ever experience that feeling ever in, in our world, it's half normal, but I know what you're talking about Yeah. that w when that super cub flies away yeah. and you hear it and you hear it and you hear it and then you, you don't, don't hear it. Yeah. And then you realize you're standing in the middle of no man's land alone. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's a pure, I just feel like it's a pure experience. But you know what's crazy is like, compare that to the feeling at the end of the hunt when you're the last person on the You're strip. begging for the super right. cub to come back. Right. Isn't that a weird dichotomy is that like, yeah. you start out the hunt being like, oh my God, I'm by myself. This is super cool. And then by the end you're like, please let me in that plane. Let me in that plane. <laughs> Crawl in the belly pod. Put me in the belly pod. Put me in the belly pod. Last year, yeah. last year we were 18 days. Yeah. Last year you and I were 18 days in the Alaska range together. That was rough. Yeah. Well, it it was awesome. It was awesome. It had ups oh, and downs. Sure. Any 18 days in the bush will do that to you. It's a long haul. Uh but we have some funny pic when the Cessna, you know, we got shuttled in the Cub. But when the Cessna finally came to the main strip to get us out of there, we got to fly together. Yeah. And you and I were like two freshly adopted twins at an <laughs> orphanage sure. that were like, for sure. we're, we have a home now, bro. For sure. We get to go home. <laughs> for sure. Yeah, I'll never forget that flight. I don't think as long as I live. It was just like, we finally, because we waited at that strip for like a few days, right? Yeah, yeah. Like two or three days. I think it was like, two nights, yeah. Oh, they'll pick you up. Oh, they'll pick you up. Maybe tomorrow. Maybe tomorrow. Oh. oh. Maybe, hey, maybe not. Maybe later. <laughs> you just keep texting back. It's clear out here. Yeah. They're sure. like, well, it's not over here. <laughs> well, pipe down. <laughs> pipe down. I know. And then you, I, start, I start feeling guilty trying to influence like oh, flight for schedules. For sure. Uh, yeah, I have, there's been more than one time where I've like sent in reach messages and be like, I don't know what the problem is. Really nice out here. You guys should come right now. And then you're like, yeah, I really actually don't know what's happening on the other side of the mountain range. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> they say there's no visibility. <laughs> so they can't see and it's very hazardous out here for pilots. So your first uh, Super Cub flight into Alaska drops you off. You are all alone. 
the pilot is going back to grab your wife. Yep. And how many days had you planned? Ten. Ten-day caribou hunt. Ten-day caribou Ten-day DIY fly-in caribou hunt. Yep. That is rugged. Yep. And uh, your wife safely made it out there? Yep. Good weather? Great weather. Make a nice camp? Yeah, we just had a super nice base camp. I mean, it was very At the strip? At the strip. I call it, it was not a strip. It was more just like. Well, we all know that game. It was just a pass. It was a landable spot. Exactly. We could make an acronym for that. We got hua. Hua. Hurry up and wait. It was a landable spot. Yeah. Yeah, we make camp there. And we glassed, and I'd been like glassing for a while before my wife showed up. And then we got her all set up got her comfortable with being out there because that's like definitely a shock you know correct me if i'm wrong your wife is from new york yes or east coast east new york coast, yeah. yeah and y'all met working on a ranch in montana yep and uh she never been to alaska nope she certainly had never flown into a caribou spike camp nope nor had you no and you was she comfortable Not were you comfortable i was i was actually surprisingly comfortable she was not comfortable at first Give her a gun. Yeah. <laughs> well, like I had planned on doing it as like a bow hunt, but then like, you know, <laughs> you know, you're like, I'm flying into Alaska. I don't know if we've all seen the movie The Edge, but it's like I'd much rather have a gun. You Which know? is that uh, Anthony Hopkins? Yeah. And they get Alec in Baldwin. And the, the Grizzlies hunt him? Yeah. God, I, we should watch that tonight. It's pretty good. Would you recommend it for an iPad viewing <laughs> In yeah. a sheep camp. Uh, probably preferably for, like, just before you go out on a brown bear hunt. Oh. Nope. <laughs> See, I can't trust this. But anyway, I just So decided. she's a little spooked out there. A little bit at first. And then she got a couple. Na- in- okay, natural. Yeah, she got a couple in-reach messages out, and then she was like, okay. We're good. We we got some text. We're good. You you took your shirt off, split some firewood. Yeah. You're like, I will. <laughs> I defend yeah. your honor. I was above the tree line, but I was splitting some firewood. You, you know? were like, babe, yeah, no need to worry. I, p- I will protect this. you. Yeah. She's like, all right, it's, all right. it's cool. So, yeah, we, like, sat there for sh- – I think she spotted those bulls, like, 45 minutes after she got there. This is the day you flew in. The day we flew in. So Did you see caribou flying? No. And you land, your wife gets there, you make a camp, and shortly thereafter she spots caribou. She, I had seen a couple, like um, – cows and like fawns or whatever and like you know nothing big but then she gets there and literally like pulls up the binos and it's like there's like five bulls down there ain't that brutal <laughs> i know you're like that's why i brought you babe yeah, i love you for sure and then we get eyes on him and the one of them was like great and i was like i would be more than happy to go big bull them. big bull you know it was, it was a group of five bulls yep were they moving they move for a while, and then we watch them, like, right about dusk, bed down. Oh, you put them to bed? Put them to bed. Wow, that's very elky, deery. Super <laughs> elky. Not, it's not. And I'm just sitting there scheming, like, oh, I'm going to get these things first thing in the morning. Like, this is a done deal. Like, this is why I got that Adelaide bit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and we wake up in the morning, it's pouring rain. Like, Alaska rain, you know. Can't see the bulls. Bulls are gone. Bulls are gone. Bulls are gone. We see these other bulls, like another mile past where we saw those. And I was like, oh, well. Let's go hunt those. Let's go hunt those. And we were like halfway to them. And we just kind of came through like a fold. 
and all of a sudden like kind of looked over and it was like oh wow there's that group of bulls they're right here they're like 800 yards away the first one the first ones nice and ended up seeing like the big one and we just kind of like paralleled them they were kind of working on this drainage and we just kind of worked some like folds and whatnot and got in pretty close like we ended up like probably like 150 yards from and you're rifle hunting rifle hunting you didn't bring a bow no and they were just kind of like moving up these benches towards you right towards us oh and i'm just sitting there and i have i think when i ended up killing my bull i had a bullet like 25 yards i had a bullet like oh wow and these guys came up over the rise at like 65 yards you all just got right up in them right up in them and you know you you know deeply regret not having the bow whatever but still, it's like, dude, I was shooting pretty lights out at, like, 65, like, with my bow, like, just before this. I was like, I got this. But then you make the call of, like, what's safer, like, going there with a bow or a rifle? Yeah. Rifle. Yeah. Rifle. You're trying to complete your Super 10 with a bow. Yeah, yeah. That's a bit of a, a crooked pipe dream of For yours. For sure, but still. Which again. would require you to have to go back and caribou hunt. And moose hunt. And get your moose. With yeah. The, we have so many stories. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, so you're surrounded by caribou. Yeah. And you're kind of hunkered in. Yep. And the big bull. The big bull and another bull are kind of like nose the tail, and they come up over this rise at like 65, slightly quartering two, but yeah. More They're coming towards you. Coming towards me. Yeah, quartering towards you. And man, as soon as they got up over that rise, and the fir- the leader, the lead bull was in front of the bull that I killed. Clear. Clear. And he stopped to feed. I was like, dude, there's 75 yards at 30 odd six. I was like, nighty night. Done. Thumped him. Thumped him. Drop him? Not immediately. He kind of stood there. He took took the shot mm-hmm. like hard. But I was like, I, I literally watched the bullet hit him. You know, it's like, you know, when you make a good rifle shot because you can see it mm-hmm. hit the animal. That's right. After you pull the trigger. And so he's, like, standing there, and I was like, well, I just – I hit one shoulder. I was like, I don't really want to hit both of them. You know? Was he kind of uh, triangled out with a, with a kickstand? Do you look like you have a broken shoulder? He was just doing the, like, wobble. Okay. Where they're kind of, like, uneasy on their feet, and you can tell, like, something's wrong. Yeah, you're dying. Yep. And he lasted, you know, in your mind's eye a long time, but probably just a couple seconds. And you didn't shoot him again? No. I thought about it. Just didn't. I'm sure you were on him. Oh, yeah, dude. Just, just like ready to roll. Just like, let's go, you know. And you were like, he's dead. He's dying. standing there dying. I don't need to blow up more meat. I'm just going to wait for the – it's a caribou. They're not, yeah. they're not particularly notorious for being bomb-proof. For sure. Boy, I'll tell you what. When we killed that moose together, you had a different attitude that <laughs> afternoon. Hey, you got to get your money's worth, right? You belt-fed that bull. <laughs> Was it six times? Per- like perfect, yeah. perfectly. <laughs> I don't think an I don't think a North American ungulate has stood on four hooves and gotten shot in the chest that many times. Man. besides that moose we killed last year. That was pretty. Your sweet. moose, yeah. Yeah, that was awesome. But back to the caribou. So, a couple days later, he dies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, he did not die several days later. He died pretty quickly. Um, we ended up like packing half of him back to camp. Hold on. You said it was crap weather. Is it still crap weather? Oh yeah. It was 
so I killed the bull, and then we brought like a spike tent, basically like just like a big Agnes like shell, like a uh, a tarp or something. Kind of just like a really lightweight tent, hmm. basically like a singular pole kind of. You are the king of popping up a quick shelter. <laughs> we just gotta get dry, man. <laughs> Dude, I've learned so much from you, and a lot of it is surrounded. Uh, tarp shelters and just keeping yourself dry Man, it's a <laughs> and big be like hey if you're gonna stay here for a while get comfortable for sure build a fire for sure put a tarp up for sure make this as less miserable as possible yeah you just don't make it to where you want to like kill yourself because you're out there <laughs> uh, suicide point yeah. you remember that god every time we named <laughs> both this, times this have been there an inside joke between <laughs> bran and i we named a glassing tit Suicide point, which is really dark, and I won't dwell on it, but <laughs> it was basically <clears throat> every time we'd, we'd get there, you wanted to die. Yeah. And Everything it, has purpose. Every, every name, every weird name has a reason. For sure. But it's, like, weird because, like, you look at it on the map, and you're like, it looks like a very innocuous spot. Nope. You're just like, oh, it's just, like, the shoulder of this ridge from the end of this drainage, and, like, oh, it's very easy. Nope. like. I've never had an instance. I mean, I've only been there twice, but maybe three times, I guess. But none of the times I've been there have been very, like, pleasant. <laughs> so you, you popped up uh, a little tarp shelter to keep yourself and your gear and, and your bride dry. Yep. And right next I, to the kill? Yep. And then I went to town, like, you know, deboning and all that. And it was crazy because, like, when I killed it, it was decent. And then the fog moved in and i couldn't see like 60 yards well you don't need to the caribou's dead yeah was this your obviously this was your first time uh processing field processing or deboning an animal in alaska which has very strict very strict meat salvage so for example most of the elk hunting we do in montana your average rifle killed elk we don't cut the rib meat out of that's a common practice. Unless you're, I mean, my rule of thumb on that is like, if you're, if you shoot that thing on private land, you should be taking Everything. every ounce of meat off of that thing. Like that big bull we killed in 380 this year. Yeah. My buddy Ed goes, we, we got the truck to it. Yeah. And he goes, we're going straight coyote on this thing. Just I was like, what? He everything? was like, he was like, every piece of red meat is leaving this animal. For sure. Like, far beyond the legal responsibilities. Oh, yeah. Which we all want to do every time, but certain parameters and variables, it's not where it just doesn't happen every time. Yep. In Alaska, there's very strict meat salvage laws, uh, and this was your first time having to probably yep. work through that and be like, I can't leave any of this. Right. I got to clean this caribou up. Clean. In the rain. Yeah. And, I mean, you, yeah – what is the rule? It's like 95% of all edible meat has to be salvaged off the carcass. So you're allotted like less than like two to three pounds probably. On the, on the skeleton on of the, skeleton. the animal. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's like you're having to take every nick of neck meat. It sounds so easy and it sounds so like into it. Like, of course, why wouldn't you take 95? Until you Until have to been there do and it. done that and whittle on that animal and get all those nooks and crannies. It's a lot yeah, of work. For sure cuz I mean when you're legally obligated to take all like you you got to take that rib roll. Mhm. Mm 
and I'm not saying flank, like flank brisket and the whole meat. thing. The whole thing. It doesn't. It's not just like you know deboning your elk when you get it, where you're just like chick, 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 done in 45 minutes to an hour. It's right. like if you got two of you, maybe. But it's like, man, if you're solo, it's like, dude, that is a chore. Big time. You got to peel the whole rib roll back. That's cute. That that takes so much time. Did it ever stop raining that day? No. So you got the caribou broke down. How far are you from camp? I think we're two miles from camp. A little bit. A little bit. And we we're down. Twice as far as we'd go for a moose. <laughs> right. And we we're 2,500 vertical below camp. Oh. Yeah. Really? Dropped. You sent it down into a valley. Yeah. And your your camp was up on a saddle. On a saddle, yeah. Whoa. It was like that was the extraction point. So it was like everything's got to go up. Did you take your first load of meat out that afternoon? Yeah, we took a hind quarter and I think a front quarter with back straps and some trim. And we left, like, the other hind quarter, a front quarter, and some trim, basically. They're basically, there was, like, th- five meat bags total. You know? Yeah, that sounds and then, right. like, the cape and the head. <laughs> yeah. Oh, add two more. Add two more. Yeah. Add two more. But so we packed that first load up that night, and I'm just like gassed. You know, it's like you you process an animal like that, and you got to pack it back up. It's like I'm not doing a second trip today. It's like yeah, I can see it, but I'm not gonna walk back down there. You know, like, right? Yeah, like you've got like it's safe. I'm safe. The plane's good. not coming tonight. Right. We're good. I'll go back in the morning. Yeah. So we wake up in the morning. It's raining kind of take our time like oh we'll see if it lets off lets off a little bit we start going down there we get down there probably like within a half mile and my wife like she's got some eagle eyes on her and she's like what is that and i see this little brown speck like right around and you can see the meat bags laying there right because they're white white game bag laying. white yeah i pull up the binos and i was like oh man what is that i thought it was a bear cub and i start looking at it more and it's it's a giant wolverine, like giant. And he's like squirreling around like right at the kill site. How far away is he? Probably six, 700 yards at this point. You know, and like, so kill site. You threw your binos up and you were like, that's not a bear cub. That's a damn wolverine. That's a wolverine. I mean, and you, is that the full first wolverine you ever seen in your life? Second. Oh, yeah, because you've seen one in Glacier. Glacier Park like four weeks before that. Wow. Anyway, so like. He's at the kill site. The meat bags are in between us and him. And we start getting closer, and I'm, like, looking, and he's still milling around that, and he starts kind of moving towards the meat bags. And I look, and I notice that, like, one of the meat bags is gone. Like, I had left three bags down there that night or the night before. Get back down there the next night. There's two there. Hmm. One is just gone. So what what we figured is, like, he had already stole one bag of meat. And then he was coming back for the next one. He had he had stolen one, fed on it, and stashed it away. Stashed it. Gone. It's coming for another. Gone. Because, like, we got down there, and we, like, he kind of, we got to a point where we were, like, 100 yards away from it, and he was straight up coming back at the meat. Oh, wow. And he, like, sees us. He knew what he was doing. Oh, yeah, 100%. He sees us, looks at the game bags, and is like, no, not worth it. And then he goes to run off, and he starts trying to run up the opposite hillside, and, like, He'd make it like 100, 200 yards at a time and then start turn and look back at us. And like through the binos, you could see him like heavy panting, like 
like he had he looked exhausted like he had just gorged himself on probably 30 pounds of caribou meat you know and then was like because he looked like physically enlarged you know most of the time they're like kind of like skinny like you're probably from being from montana you're probably familiar with a badger right this was bigger than that huge huge i mean it was like legit big you know and he's like wow waddling off as he watching us like pack out the bowl and then like my wife ended up seeing him the next day when she flew out oh really he was sitting on the carcass and she seen him she saw him from the plane good for him yeah just living life god i think they're the coolest animals man um so he stole some caribou meat from you you got everything back to your camp and extraction point and exited safely out of the rainy caribou camp yeah like a day later yeah and that had to have planted a really fundamental seed in you where you wanted more of alaska for sure i mean how could you not i know you know on a hunt like that it's just like wow chasing the dragon for sure (laughs) for sure um yeah, so you, just to fast forward from all of those defining early hunts of your life, you and I are both Alaskan guides and have worked together the last two seasons up there. And you've done a, a spring season up there as well. Yep. Guiding brown bear. Um, in Ala- I, I'm quick to say Alaska is my second home. Whether they whether they want us or not. For sure. I don't I there's no place else for sure I would want to be and it is the most uninviting painful place most days but there's something about that that just makes me want to go again big time yeah it's weird something's wrong we need to have some psychologists study this I think I mean man I think Alaska is the strongest drug you can take god that's a be a good bumper sticker right we should make some shirts we talked about making hua shirts oh nice yeah, you and I, I mean, maybe we weren't the first humans to do it, but our time spent stuck on a airstrip two years ago. We came up with hua, hua, hurry up and wait. Yeah. And we regularly use it now. And it's, uh, it's a very true statement because you might get an in-reach messages are a little bit lagged. And the pilot might only be flying. Ooh, right. The dog fight just blew up over there. <laughs> if you could hear that in the background, there was a dog fight. Seems like everybody's cool now. <laughs> it's like a prison fight. Like I tear agree. gas is going to come out For of the ceiling sure. in a second. Everybody survive? Yeah, everyone's good. Uh, hua. Hurry up and wait. Because the inreach messages come in and the plane, the Super Cub might only be coming from 45 minutes away. And if the message is lagged by 20, 30 minutes, you better pack your shit. Like you might already think you're packed up, but you still need to pack the tent and put your sleeping bag away and X, Y, and Z. And there's this very like, you're going 100 miles an hour to get ready to move. And then you're going zero miles an hour for 23 and a half hours the day yeah hurry up and wait well it's just so weird too because like you're waiting on the pilot for so long so long but then when the when the pilot gets there 
he had better not fucking have to wait more than a minute and a half on you. Hey, like, yeah, that's right. That's right. Maybe. It's like, dude, if you if you take up more than 90 seconds of that guy's time, he might leave you Get, your, get your shit. <laughs> For sure. We have a window. It's often weather-related. Oh, yeah. It's pretty time. rare that the li- the pilot lands and is like, hey, take your time. Oh, I got yeah. nothing going on. <laughs> even if even if it's nice out, yeah, he's got sure. eight other people to move. For sure. I don't think I'm, I have yet to meet an Alaska pilot in a good mood. That's not true. Okay. We we judge yeah. uh, the likelihood of us surviving the flight by Doug's uh, right. attitude. Yeah. And it's like a big – you haven't interacted with people in so many days. Right. And so your first human interaction might be with a disgruntled man <laughs> or a jolly <laughs> – excited man for sure and it just just like the movies you watch on your ipad that those interactions are going to weigh with you <laughs> the he- whole time heavier than they do in for your sure. normal life for sure i don't know it was the only guy i saw last week yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't in a good mood i'm i'm not in a good mood. <laughs> no. uh, i don't know what i did wrong i don't know what i did wrong uh, but anyways, Alaska Alaska is a hell of a drug, or Alaska is yeah. the best drug. <laughs> probably the strongest drug. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we should start a campaign. Yeah. We could probably come up with a lot of cool merchandise. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm hooked on Alaska. <laughs> now then you'd have some dumb halibut. Oh, yeah. You, it's real and that all that. sounds so lame. Yeah. It's got to be more hardcore than that. Yep. <laughs> we got to take it a step further. <laughs> <laughs> I've got bodies buried in Alaska. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so some of the stuff we've done in Alaska together before we, before we wrap this up, we've had some incredible experiences together in Alaska and I want to dive into those. Um, the first of the first story I'm going to make you tell is when we camped in a Creek bed and heard rock and there were rock slides all night. Oh, yeah. So d- how did we get into that situation? Was that the first night of Keith's hunt? It was the first night he was out there with us, yeah. Yeah, so we, like, yeah, we started hiking up. We've been waiting for him, and so he shows up, and we're like, we're going now. We're not yeah, let's go. sitting around the strip. We're yep. going right now. Let's go. And that was, like, what we called it Keith Creek, right? Or, no, no, that wasn't Keith Creek. It was, like, day one. Creek. Turns, turns out most little sneaky drainages on the map don't have a name. Yeah. So that invites a lot of creative opportunity for people yeah. like us. <laughs> for sure. If people just, say like name and deer is lame. Yeah. I I get it. Yeah. It's for communication easement. Like For sure. I don't want to be like, yeah, that that 10 point buck. No, that other 10 point. No, that right. other 10 point buck. The train is with the rock. We'll just give him <laughs> his name's Trident yeah. and you call him by his name. You know him. You know him well. Anyways, while we're hunting through this country, we name things from glassing points <laughs> to camps to drainages. We named this one Keith Creek. Yeah. Because our client's name was Keith. Yeah. And where did we end up? <laughs> oh, man, that whole thing. I mean, that was a great hunt, but I was like, I remember that first night. Didn't we, like, took some squirrely ass, like, the river was way up. We tried to cross it. We tried to cross it. Couldn't cross it because we had these, like, what people call wiggies, oh, which said it. I think you are said it called death traps. Wow, those you're, are <laughs> you're going to piss off some Alaskans <laughs> here. 
I know, but it's like nothing like having two <laughs> 10-gallon bags strapped to your legs. They're called murder bags. Yeah, exactly. Like, and you wash <laughs> downstream and die. You want your friend to die? Put on these wiggies. Oh, my God. <laughs> okay. To anyway. The defense, we were trying to cross deep big, water. Big water. Yeah. yeah. Which I don't think anything. I, I, what we figured out is really you're just better off in like. Naked. Drain, drain, <laughs> naked, basically, with Crocs or like drainage shoes. and like. That's right. Know, the. That's neither here nor there. We took a sketchy route, ended up at this, like, spot. Do you remember that that night? And then, like, all the saturation in the soil was just causing all those rocks to, like, all night long. That's why I asked you to tell the story. We had we were plumb exhausted, and we knew there were rams up this drainage, and we didn't want to go any further in, like, the twilight zone. In, yeah. In the, you know, dusk. And we pretty much just hit the brakes in the gut of this ravine on what looked like at a glance it's just like yeah this is a really nice gravel bar right a tight gravel bar right you know you have a shale a scree slide 100 yards to your left and 100 yards to your right and a sneaky little creek going by the tent it's pretty tight yeah and at a glance it looks safe and comfortable and most importantly flat it's like it was <laughs> pitch it was a tent there <laughs> but it rained all night, and all night long there were massive landslides, I'll call them. It felt like massive, and it was really like four or five rocks sliding down, but it's like every, I felt like every night of that hunt. Do you remember that? And like even on Mark's hunt the next week, it was like we'd camp out in those spots, and we were like, I feel like I'm in a good spot, and then you'd see a boulder. Like, I feel like we had like PTSD from oh that man. night in the, in the gut. For sure. Especially <laughs> like, like the night before we killed Keith's ram because it was like – Dude, I remember we were sitting there. It was raining so hard. Mm-hmm. We woke up at like 3 a.m. to like, and like that whole had had slid had, had sloughed off. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Sketchy. Snowmobiling today. Do you notice that? Yeah. Coming around some of the turns today, it's we've hit the same drainages two days in a row now. And coming around some of the drainages, there's been, like, basketball-sized rocks. I'm like, that wasn't there yesterday. Yep. Turns out the the mountain's a living, breathing thing. Man. And if you're in the wrong place at the wrong time, it could smoke you. It's just that freeze-thaw, freeze-thaw, freeze-thaw. I think that, yeah, that lets – I think more earth moves. Big time. Right now than – well, and if you get on your wind, boring too, summer day, you think about wind because, like, dude, wind after the freeze thaw, like, loosen stuff up, you know, just like erode a little bit of dirt out of there, and all of a sudden, a huge rock that you thought was just there <laughs> is now here. She comes going, yeah. That was uh, some adventurous campsite choices on our behalf on that trip, For but we killed a nice ram. Um, my favorite story from last year, I got good stories from was it this year. I say this year is 2022. Last year is 2021. Um, we had had a banger season. We killed a couple dull sheep. We went to western Alaska. We successfully guided a couple big moose hunts together. And then we were back in eastern Alaska where we had some more moose hunts to guide. But in between the two, there was like – four or five days uh, off before the next hunt started. We had arrived back early and had some days off. And those were my four 
it wasn't even four. We ended two up hunting like two days. By two the time days. by the time we had solicited a vehicle, yeah, we found a truck. Shout out Gino, and done a little bit of intel on like where can we go road hunt moose on a general tag as a non-resident in Alaska. In Alaska, and we drummed up enough intel to have half a dozen spots to go piss in the wind like pretty low odds uh intel i was like but we're we're montana kids we'll do it we'll figure it out i'm an ohio kid you're a montana kid but we're like hey what up we're not gonna sit around idly for four days like if we can buy a moose tag for 800 bucks and go do this on what do guides do on their day off usually go hunting go hunt the good ones do so we rounded up our shit and tell me about that moose hunt. Because you had killed a moose as a 13-year-old in right. Montana. And this was almost, I mean, that year was 20 years to the, almost, well, to the year, but the day we killed it was almost 20 years to the day Yeah. of killing my Alaskan to my Shiras, you know, which was cool. I mean, I, yeah, I still can't believe, like, we bought that tag, went out the first day, saw that moose. Saw a moose. Remember? Saw a moose. The sublegal. Different moose, yeah. Different moose, different area. But just the, just to paint the picture, we were going OTC moose hunting in an area where, like, hey, if we see a moose antler, it's a bit of a success. Right. If we see a legal bull, that's a huge success. But the fact, like, finding a 50-inch or three-brow three brow bull in this area is not super likely right but we still went for it because we loved the adventure we wanted to get you an alaskan moose and that was awesome i just remember that day just being like i remember driving we hunted that morning where we saw like so the night before is when we seen that other bull yeah and he'd come running up we were damn near in sheep country yeah and he was like down in those ponds yeah, but we had come up and over like a mountain pass above brush line. Way above. To where people were like, yeah, sometimes there's moose around there. And we got up there. I would have bet you $4 million there yeah. was no moose around there. Oh, I was yeah. like, we'll probably see some mountain goats and some black bears. Lo and behold, a little two-year-old moose. Splashing around. Comes spla- and yeah, he's all rutted out. Yeah. And he was, pawing at the earth and throwing a fit and we we're like oh that that was a success oh yeah i just was like seeing that one bull that little sure. tiny young bull i was like holy smokes we can he at least act like we're we were in the right spot right. or something for sure yeah dude i just remember that whole next day like we spent that morning hunting up there because we were like oh we'll see another one but dude that was one of the most beautiful fall days i've ever seen in alaska do you remember like I yeah, I do it. remember. Remember when we crossed that one creek? Like, we were up that road a ways, and we, like, went to call. On the west side of the pass. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that very And clearly. it was, like, dude, just spectacular. It was, like, perfectly bluebird day. Yeah, it was, like, cue the music. Yeah. Like, this is. For sure. This is Hollywood. And we, like, went and hunted the rest of the day, and then we'd come back and, like, started to cook lunch. And I was, like, tired. Of, like, super. I mean, we just packed up two bowls in, like, four days. Yeah, because we were coming, we were coming off a of guiding. Yeah, and we we had we had killed two big bulls and done a lot of work, and these were our days off. Yeah, between hunts. Yeah, yeah. And then it was just like I'll hijack the story here, because you're 
we pulled off on the side of the road. I, this I big was valley. getting a little, I was getting a little negative. Yeah, I was getting a little tired. Not me. Yeah. Well, maybe I was, but no, you're ever the optimist, dude. You weren't. I was. I was like midway through cooking lunch, mm-hmm. and I remember you were out there and like I got a moose. I was like a hundred yards away from you. Yeah. Walked down the logging road, and I was like, I think I knew right away. I seen oh, a yeah. bull. Yeah. I was like, I see a bull moose, and you're on the tailgate of the truck flipping brats. And making sandwiches and like packing lunches for us, and you're like, "What?" Yeah, dude. I, I don't. You probably didn't believe me. A hundred percent. To be honest with you, I did not believe you. Yeah, I would. I was have. like, "You were just fucking with me." Like, there's no way. <laughs> but I, I still had my binos. Yeah, and then face. I look at you and I'm like, "Oh no, he actually saw a moose." And then we got the with the spotter on. It was like, "Oh, it's a legal bull." Pretty quickly, we deemed. And it's remarkable that we even got that good of a look at him because yeah. it was such thick alders. And he was in that weird fold. Up it was there. like, yeah. I see a piece of him. I see none of him. I see a piece of him. And then he ultimately disappeared hard on us. But yep. before he did that, we got a really clean look at him. And we're like, he's a three brow bull pushing 50 inches, but the three brows make him legal. Yep. Holy smokes. We found Bigfoot. We're going to go hunt this thing. Yeah. And he disappeared. But we knew the valley he was going into. Right. Yeah, because that first setup we had was like, I mean, it was pretty money. Trying to call across that canyon. I just think with that, maybe the river, Mm -hmm. he just couldn't hear us. And like that, you know, to our defense, that was like a super steep section of canyon. So I think that sound of the river probably. I do too. Pretty amplified. Looking back on that. Yeah, I think it would have been it was pretty long odds to think that he was going to hear us calling over there just because of the topography. But when we moved and ended up like just down of him, because at that point, when you like looked at it, it was more like calling into an amphitheater rather than like calling it like the backside. That's right. You know, and then I mean, when we moved and we it was like he was he was hot. This is on. Yeah, because I was we got you set up on your rifle at the first spot across the canyon and i was like he's somewhere in the alders out there at 400 yards i'm gonna start just making a ton of cow calls and hopefully he'll step out a half hour of that he does not show no and so we make the we decide to go down canyon yeah just we pack we pack up and we're gonna go down canyon to this like bench on our side where we can see a little bit more of the country across the creek where he is somewhere hopefully and we get over there, and did we locate him before we called? Dude, I think we got out there and we could, like, see him. I do, too. Cause I think we, I, like, found him pretty quick. He then. was working the edge of that alders, and it was like, yeah, I felt like it was pretty The reason I bring that up is quick. as soon as I started calling to him and yeah. he heard me, yeah, he was into it, which tells me he was he couldn't hear us at the first spot. Right. Because the, as soon as he heard the first cow call out of me, he went from light switch. Yeah, head up, paddles facing you, ears back. Like, yeah, I hear that cow. I'm going to that cow. Cause he was probably what like a mile and a half away when he first started calling at him. Yeah, he moved. Yeah, and then you know we came all the way into 400 yards. Yeah, that was one of the coolest call and response encounters I've ever had in my whole life with an Big animal. Time. I've called elk in. That would be the closest thing to that. But man, I've called moose in too, but that from that far, that far, yeah, like I hit him at like a mile plus, 
and just reeled him in. And it was that, like, he'd hear it. He'd come 300 yards and stop. We'd hit him again. Yep. He'd come 300 yards and stop. It was like you were that was systematically manipulating this bull sure. closer to us. That was so much fun. That was super cool. And how how close did he end up getting? I think we were like 420 yards. Yeah. And then there was no there was no other play to that was the end of it. That was the end. It, okay. Any closer and he's going out of sight Into beneath that us. that like brush at yeah, the yeah. bottom and like what surprised me though is when we killed him and we got over there was how big the brush was when we got there. Yes. That God, was, ain't that the truth? That was insane. You see a moose or whatever work through some stuff, and you're like, oh, it looks like a golf course over there. And then you get over there, and it's, like, up to your eyeballs. Dude, that <laughs> was – a fucked up golf course is That was insane. This. I remember being, like, waist high at least. Remember when we left the creek, mm-hmm. and we were, like, walking to the other side, and it was like, oh, wow, this is a trail through shoulder high. Bush. Yeah. Like, sketchy. Cool. Called him in to 400 yards, and my – clearest memory of that is you shooting that bull like six times uh and moose are not known for running away once they get hit hard yeah uh they'll soak up some shots and you know be dead on their feet your bull was just the textbook definition of all of that yeah like i I was filming it through my spotting scope and you're shooting you're like am i hitting him i'm like you're ten ringing him every time. Like you're, <laughs> there's no lung left in this animal, <laughs> right? And you just, I think you shot him six times. Yeah, that was like, I mean, I've never shot an animal that many times. That's where I adopted the term belt feed, right? Where it's like, hey, we have a duty. I was running low on ammo. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, yeah. At the end of that, you may have been, um, <laughs> different from the caribou. Yeah, <laughs> the one <laughs> for sure. He'll die. He'll die. Nah, just keep shooting him. You got to get your money's worth, you know? It's an yeah. $850 tag. That's right. You know? How many times do you want to shoot? Right. One or six? Yeah, shoot six. <laughs> as long as there's six good shots. Yeah. And they were. And they were as long as he's still standing. That, that's right. Yeah. That's like, right. You might as well. I think all legit hunters and predators uh, play by that rule. They should. Like, if you have a clear shot and he's standing – might as well. Like, there's very few situations where I'd be like, Meh. yeah, don't shoot him again. But this moose, we got extra, extra dead, and then got over to him, packed him out that night. We spent, we got him out, we got him to the truck that evening. We had about a yeah. mile to go. Yeah. From where we could get the truck to where the moose died it was a little over a mile across a canyon, across a creek. And it was almost 20 years to the day that you killed your Shiris moose. You killed your first Alaskan Yukon moose. That was pretty sweet. It was sweet. That was super cool. Uh, I guided three moose last year. Yeah. And killed one with you. Yeah. So I was, I was on four moose kills last fall. Your moose was my absolute favorite and the smallest one. Yeah. It just goes to show like – that was a crazy It's all in the details. For like sure. A couple of guides borrowing a truck, <laughs> going road <laughs> going road hunting in an OTC overhunted area. For sure. That does not happen. It, hap- yeah. it was like a point of pride for, for both sure. of us, I think. For it was sure. like we'd, 
Like that's something to be proud of. We can do this. Yeah, like we're <laughs> we can hang. <laughs> we can do this. <laughs> yeah. We'll go kill one in an OTC unit. We hit up Gino. Yeah. Our buddy that gave us the truck. For and we sure. were like, we got one. We're driving back into the valley. He was like, whatever. He was like, what? <laughs> yeah. You actually got one? I do not think he expected us to like roll back to town. Hundred percent. A, a no. day later. Hundred percent not. He'd be like, we got one. No. He'd be like, no, whatever. <laughs> that's good stuff well we could sit here and tell stories for more and more hours and we'll have to link up again soon to do just that but uh we're gonna have some elk roast for dinner it's gonna snow it's probably snowing right now it's gonna snow a little bit tonight we got one more day of lion hunting together tomorrow excited we'll see what we can do it's uh consistency kills it's a it's a proven fact every time like you could be the worst hunter ever and if you went out every morning you're gonna kill a nice something at some point might not be that good but you can never be outworked that's right you know yeah that's where that's where thin men's at (laughs) yeah the old (laughs) indie the old indie trail 500 my tried and true trail sled yeah, nuclear disaster couldn't stop that slip. Yeah, no, for sure. No, it would try. Yep. And we'd get it restarted. No suspension, but, you know. Yeah. Like, I can just see you when you're out there on the trails just getting beat to death. Just I know. Like, <laughs> 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 I got back. I was like, my knee hurts. Yeah. My right foot's cold <laughs> from standing up on the bed. <laughs> yeah. All right, Brandon, you're a legend. You're a man among, amongst men. And, uh proud to have you here and i hope tomorrow we kill a giant lion cheers cheers